God does the impossible. Many of you would agree to that. Take your Bible, let's go to John, the 14th chapter. You would say, I know God does that, but yet this verse in the 14th chapter of John probably is one of those that many of us hear it intellectually, but we don't know how to understand it experientially. Perhaps we've never really seen God do this in our own personal life. Look with me for a moment to the 12th verse. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, Jesus, the works that I shall do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Now, that very statement, greater works shall you that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ do than Christ did, man, that seems like an impossibility. As I was thinking about that, it made me think about going back many years, and let's see if you remember this series. Pretty good music, yeah? You might remember what that is? Mission Impossible. How do you turn one of these things off? Mission Impossible. I think as we will remember that scenario of Mr. Phelps, if you choose to accept this mission, and they would lay it out. Arrow Heights Baptist Church, you that are born again of the Lord Jesus Christ, you that are Christians, if you accept to take reality as God has presented in his word today, great and mighty things shall happen. He simply reminds us here that great works Christ has done, you will do even greater. Now, wait a minute. The faith that we know of this book does not say that we'll become gods. We'll not become like Jesus Christ. We're not going to become his brother as far as the lordship that he has with the Father, but it says we'll do greater works. Now, wait a minute. Jesus walked on the water. I don't think any of you are light enough to walk on water. Amen? I don't think that's what he's talking about. Jesus took 5,000 plus, and with a few loaves and fish, he fed all of them and had surplus. I don't think Jesus is talking about you going out and being able to multiply fish and loaves. He's talking about, I think, the very thing that Christ himself came to do upon this earth. He came to do those works that were from the Father. Take your Bible, let's flip over to fifth chapter of John. Just keep it in John there for a few moments. Fifth chapter of John. Look at verse 19. Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. One of the things that Jesus was very, very explicit in was that he did only that which was revealed by the Father to him. So he did the will of the Father. Look at verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. 
Now, he is saying very clearly that that which God has the capacity to do, the Son will do also. And he's simply saying, I'm going to do those great things of God that you may marvel, that you may know who I am. Go to verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear shall live. Now, I think it is very, very clear in this section of Scripture that he was talking about the very purpose and reason that Jesus Christ came to the earth was to do the work of the Father. The work of the Father is to redeem sinful man to the a proper relationship with him. A holy God extending himself to sinful man and saying, through the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be brought into the family of God. You're going to become that recipient of God's grace in your life. Now, back to John uh, 4, 14 there, when he's talking about various things. He said the primary task of Jesus was not to just simply do miracles, but, but to do the will of the Father. Uh, let me just read 434. Listen to the words of the Lord. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. The work of God through Jesus was that you and I and all mankind could have our sins forgiven and that we might be brought into a relationship with God so that eternal life was a guarantee from God. Eternal with him forever and ever. Now, the primary work of Jesus, now listen closely, was to seek that which is lost, was to redeem that which was in the pit of destruction itself. And so it's very, very important for us to understand the greater works that we are to do is not focused on miracles and signs. Now, I'm not saying God will not choose in his divine timetable to do those. God does many of those at times to begin to have people marvel at his power, but it's for the primary purpose that they might be redeemed. So the greater work is that you and I might be a part of this great redemption plan that God has given to each one of us. Now, think about it for a moment. How can we do greater work than Christ did in redemption? I don't think it's a reference to the quality of salvation. We cannot add anything to the work of Christ. You cannot add one iota to the plan of redemption. It is not Jesus, yes, as the great man, the great prophet, the great savior, whatever, and then add something else to it like works or something. He said, it is Christ alone that God has given us unto salvation, that we might have a new life in Christ Jesus himself. Now, so it's not about a quality. We can't add anything to the death on, his, on the cross. But it is certainly about the quantity. Jesus said, I give you the Holy Spirit. It is expedient that I leave so my spirit might come. Think about it. In one day... On the day of Pentecost, more people were saved in the three years that had preceded that that Jesus walked the earth in one day. It began to explode into all the regions. It was the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. So what is he saying to us? He said, we've got to get a vision for an expanded program. We've got to see that God is up to great things to expand his kingdom. That expanded program is simply reminding us 
that the work of redemption is not finished. He says unto us, I've given unto you the ministry of reconciliation. You, the born again, unto you I've given the gospel. That gospel is so that God can continue to do that which is impossible with man. Redeem one's soul. Redeem one's spirit. Make my spirit able to mesh with God's spirit as I glorify him. So it's very, very important that we understand that the Lord is saying unto us that there is a time in which we must come again and again to understand that he wants us to be involved in kingdom work in a very, very special way. John 4, listen to him as he continues, John four thirty-five. Do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saving is true. One sows and the other reaps. I send you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now, the Lord is very, very clear as he's reminding us in these sections of Scripture that we are to be a part of awakening people to the reality of Jesus Christ. We need another great awakening. Now, we talk about the great awakening that's happened in Europe and America, but we need a great awakening throughout all the world. We need people to understand that Jesus came for all people. He came that all might be saved. He came that every people group, every tribe, every nationality might receive the great gift of eternal life. That they might be forgiven of their sins and that they could enter into this divine personal relationship with God himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that which began in the earthly body of Christ is to be continued in the spiritual body of Christ. You and I are the spiritual body of Christ. We are to be those who proclaim the good news unto all the world. We are to be those that proclaim the gospel, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ himself. It's very, very important, I think, to understand that if we're going to expand the kingdom, expand the program of God, then we're going to have to pay a very expected price. What does we mean by an expected price? It means that you can't live a life of leisure. You can't live a life of no sacrifice. Sacrifice is required in the Christian's life as we listen to God and serve in obedience. It's not a sacrifice physically as far as giving of one's life. It is a sacrifice that says, I totally, absolutely surrender unto you, Lord Jesus. Now, when we develop a mindset as a believer... And that mindset simply says, it's not my job to be concerned about lost people. In my community, in the world, especially somebody that's of a different background or tribe or nationality, when we have that kind of mindset, we have just disproved the very thing that God is saying, that we are to be about a greater work than even Christ was. That means we are to be about kingdom work of redemption in the lives of individuals. Now, when our mind thinks... I just need to live my life as a Christian. I just need to live in such a way that people will see Christ alive in me and they'll know that Christ is real. Here's what's missing in that philosophy. 
there's no intentionality of sharing the gospel. Intentionality means that we purposefully in our heart recognize that without the sharing of the gospel, there will be no repentance. It takes those who preach the gospel, those who share the gospel, those who are able to lay it before mankind. Lost people do not know the claims of Christ. And so it's very, very important that we simply come back and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to understand that a price is required of me to expand the kingdom of God. That price is absolute surrender. You know, we sang a song a while ago, I surrender all. Is that real, really true with us as Christians? Think about it for a moment. I surrender all, Lord. I've surrendered my monetary means. I've surrendered my family. I've surrendered my home. I've surrendered my intellect. I've surrendered my physical abilities. I've surrendered everything absolutely to you, Lord. I'm not sure that's really the case in a lot of Christians' life today. You know, I mentioned once before, it's sort of like we're going to surrender it all, but we're going to keep that closet locked and keep God out of that arena of our life. God says absolute surrender is the price he demands of us. Why? Because you are a key element in God expanding his kingdom today. He says, let this be. Take your Bible and go to Romans, the 10th chapter. Romans 10. Look at verse 13. Let's just begin in verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which you are, we are preaching. In other words, God says that I will help your heart have faith to trust me. I want to reveal myself to you and I'm at work in your life. You're not in this alone. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, that's the premise of why you and I need to have the absolute surrender in our life to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to be a bearer of the good news wherever you send me. My family reunions, I'll bear the good news of Christ. My community in which I live, my business in which I work, I'll be bearers of that good news. I'll be willing to go where you would have me go, across the oceans, across the sea, that we might bear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of Japanese were swept into eternity this week, as you know, 250,000 plus, maybe, who knows? Multitudes of those knew the Lord Jesus Christ because people shared the gospel and they responded. Multitudes did not know Christ, rejecting him, destined for hell itself and the punishment of God. So it's very, very important that you and I understand that you and I, this church, can make a difference as we trust God to do the impossible. Now, Sometimes we have a mindset. I'm not going to invest financially that the kingdom might be broadened. 
You know, we've challenged you to come up and let's pay off our worship center debt. What's the reason for that? Well, we can pay it off in two years, but if we pay it off right now, that frees up $100,000 we can invest in kingdom ministry, that we can some way make a difference in ministry that does not have to go in paying off the worship center. It gives you that opportunity individually to participate where many, many that have gone before you participated, that we can do those kinds of things. But you see, the thing God is saying is that it's always important for us to know a price must be paid in our lives. Brother John was telling me those men that they have trained recently in Ethiopia are being heavily persecuted now because there is a commitment to eradicate Christians from Ethiopia. Well, there's a, let me, let me give you a point of information. No matter where it's at, America, Ethiopia, Hawaii, Indonesia, listen, there will always be a force of Satan to eradicate God's people. Always. Why? Because we, there's an enemy. Satan does not want people to come into the kingdom of God. Satan does not want people to hear the good news that there's hope in Christ, your sins can be forgiven, and that you can live with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in you. And then he goes on to say to us, there's an explicit promise. There in John 14, where we're talking about, he said to us, think about how this applies to our witness. He says, you'll do greater works. And he says, if you do that, if you ask that which is of the Father... His will, you will do it. He will give you the power to be able to do that. So think about it. As we witness and as we give resources so that we can penetrate into all the world, God says if it's His will, He will do it. One, we know it's God's will that the gospel go to all people. Listen, folks, we're going to challenge you in the days that are ahead. For us to pray for every unreached people group, that means that probably every life group, every life group needs a Sunday school class, a life group that says we'll start praying for them. You know, we're praying for the Chuck Keys. We're praying for the Ethiopians. We're praying for Indonesians. We're praying for Malaysian, Marshallans, not Marshall. uh, You got it. Okay. Marshallese, the people of the Marshall Islands. We're praying for those. But there are multitudes, still over about 6,000 unreached people groups, languages, people living in a certain language that never heard the call of Christ. Let's pray for them. Let's let God do a work through us. Now, his promise is, God's will is this. If you pray, it'll be done. So, what about someone lost that you're praying for? Began to celebrate. It is God's will that person be redeemed. We just want to be a good, faithful steward. We want to be God's ambassador. So, let's begin to celebrate and rejoice that God is able and God shall do it. Amen? Don't doubt it in your mind. Now, I want to... Say, praise the Lord for Arrow Heights. In the state of Oklahoma, there are a lot of churches here among us as Southern Baptists. They sent information this last week. You know, we turn in reports September through August. So this is talking about September through August, be September 209 through August 2010. Given the report, they said, praise the Lord for Arrow Heights. Thank you for what you've done in the reference to people coming to faith. The baptism ratio, that means how many members to each baptism. Era Heights had 14.19 members for every baptism that we had. Well, praise the Lord for that. But you know, let me tell you folks, reality is that really probably about 10 people were the, were the primary reasons those came to faith. So we need to look back and say, okay, what can I do to affect the very fact that people come to baptism because they've been born again in Christ Jesus? 
fourth in the state in our uh, church division in the number of baptisms, 77. And we praise God for that. God says, you pray, believe, trust me, I can do the work. You'll do greater things. But be a committed witness for Christ. Now, what's the exalted purpose in all this? Remember what he said in that verse we read in John 14? He said, so that God could receive the glory. When we were singing in here today, wasn't that great singing lifted our spirits? Why don't we do that? So that God receives the glory. The glory for what he's done in our lives. The glory for what he has done to care for us, minister to us, give us the great gift of eternal life. Let us bring glory to him. You see, there's always divine purpose worth committing our lives to when it comes to kingdom work. You know, God says we're to work, but we're not just simply to work to make money to pay bills. We are the very ones that are the keepers of the kingdom. We're the ones to invest in the kingdom. I told the story again, and if you heard it before, hear it again. But it always impacts my life. Because God's simply reminding us of the fact that there's eternal purpose in what we're about. A man in Dallas, it was during the days that Preston Wood was trying to begin their television ministry. And so they were asking their people to give sacrificially. And a man came down and met the pastor and gave him a check. It was folded up and the pastor put it in his pocket. And he said, God's led me to give this and I just want to be a part of what God's doing. And so the man at that time, I think, was not even a member or he became a member and was there actively for three or four years. The pastor didn't really know the guy. Put it in his pocket, uh, put it on his desk. On Monday morning, he saw the check, pulled it out to see what it was. The man had given Preston Wood Baptist Church $1 million to start their television ministry. Now, the guy had made a lot of money in oil, and uh, God had blessed him mightily, and so he was giving. Well, in the next three years, if you remember in the oil problems, things really crashed. This man lost it all. He, in his testimony, said they lost so much, they had to sell their cars, and he was driving his mother-in-law's car. He said, you're talking about what humbles you. And someone asked him once and said, aren't you regretful? Aren't you sorry that you gave a million dollars to your church when now you have nothing? He said, what I'm regretful of is that I didn't give more to my church. That's the all that I have today is what I've given. Well, it's, a, it's not just a good story. It's a reality story. It's how they started their television ministry. He was in that church three or four years, five years, something like that. And uh, the pastor at that time was sharing the story. And I, I, one of the things, he just wanted to bring glory to God as God gave through him. But one of the things that's exciting about this passage of Scripture, and it's exciting about the Christian life and the Christian movement, is there's explosive powers he talks about there. Look what he says in that uh, verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him of knowing him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. God says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit will be a part of God empowering his church to minister to all the world. The church was on a vibrant expansion across the world, until he got wrapped up in ecclesiastical struggles and battles, until he got crossed up with other world religions and etc. But the thing of it is, God says there is a power that comes from him 
that will explode the gospel into all the world. They're quite concerned in Japan, as you've listened, about the nuclear plants exploding, about radiation getting out, and likely so. My dear friends, you and I need to understand, we need to see the power of God explode into all the world. We need to see that power of God moving into all the regions of the world. Because it's so vitally important that you and I understand, without Christ, there is no hope. There are many world religions that base all, everything for eternity based upon the works, the good works, the measuring things out at the end, and on and on goes the stories. But I'm here to tell you, God said, through my grace you're saved through faith. That not of yourselves, not of works that you should boast. And so God's saying to us, I have come and it's been my works, has been the mighty works that have changed the world. And I want you to be a part of doing even greater works than I've done. That's directly tied to the world's salvation. So I'm encouraging you to invest your life. To say, I'm going to be a part of what God's up to. You see, spiritually, we need a a spiritual explosion. The Holy Spirit moving into all the regions of the world. That which is impossible with us is possible with God. Whatever it is that God is up to, it's possible with Him. Now, we've challenged you to pay off our remaining debt on the worship center. Many people have given through the years, and some have asked, and let me just tell you how we came up with the, the chart that you have in your bulletin, and you'll see at the end of the slides. If you'll just start those slides and just keep them moving at this point. Uh, one of the things, how do we come up with that 288? Well, we have nearly 600 giving units. That might be children giving, whatever, in our church. And we just simply, we, myself, I just simply said, how could we do this? In the finance committee, we talked about a few things, and we simply said, this is one of the ways that we'll be able to do it. And you'll see that at the end. You that are new here, this was back in 1991 as we uh, built the worship center. And just keep those going as fast as they'll come up. Um, some of you saw the first few, but these slides will change as we go on through this. Uh, but it talks about our ministry here in this field. We had a lot of wonderful revivals, children's ministry, baptisms, weddings. That was last week, I think. On and on, how God's blessed us as a church. And folks... I'm grateful for this worship center, and I praise God for it. But the worship center is not the end in itself. We're going to pay it off that we might have kingdom money to be put in other places that we can share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know of many places today that have great worship centers, but they're empty. They're empty because the people lost sight of that they were the ambassador. They were the one to keep those things rolling. And so that chart that you saw flash up there you have in your bulletin, uh, we're not saying that's what you ought to give. We're just simply saying it gives you an idea that it's realistic that we could do it, but it's impossible with us in our logic, and it'll need to come truly from the Holy Spirit speaking to each one of us in our lives. So debt reduction, yes, it can happen. How are we going to do it? That next slide says pray, prepare, and participate. Pray what God will have you to do in reference to this. In obedience, we can do it, but it must be under the Lord's leadership as we prepare ourselves for kingdom expansion. Folks, uh, I've told you before, we don't know what God's up to. We're just walking in faith and trusting Him. I told you the hospital, the door was closed. They said because of liability. But God in His miraculous, wondrous ways, um, looks like He opened the crack of that door last week. And they've told us that uh, destruction, the Tearing down, destruction of the building is not going to happen in the near future. 
And it's interesting through relationships, God putting people in paths of your pastor and others, it's interesting. Who knows what God's up to? But it appears we'll have another hearing with uh, Mr. Henry, the CEO of St. Francis. So we don't know what's going on there. And we're just going to trust the Lord to see what he's up to. You know, we're always interested. What's God doing? How can we have greater ministry? How can we make a difference in the area? The pottery, old-time pottery, now is up for sale. $20-some dollars a square foot. You can't build facilities like that. So we're just praying, Lord... Is that something we need to look into? Uh, it's hard to build a building for $23 a square foot, $20, wherever it might go for. So we're asking you as a congregation to pray because we don't necessarily think facilities are the answer at all, but we're talking about kingdom work and how do we do? How do we make a difference in our own community? So I do hope that you're praying that God will reveal his will to us. We don't want to be in the flesh on any of this. But we want his will to be done. If we're to minister in a greater way in our community, if we're to have other types of ministries we don't currently have. So would you pray that God continue to inflame our minds and that God do his perfect will and that we listen and obey as a congregation, as a group of people.